Welcome to Recommissioned, a bi-weekly podcast where we go back to watch Battlestar Galactica. Each week, I'm joined by my good pal Matt, who has only seen the episodes up to the one we're covering. Now, I've seen them all. And this week, we're bringing you Season 3, Episode 17, Maelstrom. You have a gift, Kara. I've always known that here in my gut, and I am not going to let you piss that away. You're special. Don't you understand that? No, I'm not. Would you let go of that stupid dream of yours? Look, I am sorry as hell that you never made officer. And all you have to show for a life of dedication is this crappy apartment and that frackin' metal on the wall. But I will not make up for it all. I can't. Yeah, because you're a quitter. You always have been. I think the Nova does look like the mandala inside the temple. <laughs> what? It's the Dhamma. What's he saying? The roadside is showing where they're going next. <laughs> is that how he sounds? <laughs> Come here. I'm going to lick you. Mm, delicious. <laughs> <laughs> and they opens out like, I've seen the patterns in the stars and the galaxies far away. I was on Jupiter and I ran around the moons and I was in the streams and I saw the pages and I heard the prophecies and read the books and I ran around and I stole it. It's all happening again. It's all happening again. It's happening again. It's happening again. It's not going to keep happening. Uh, this is the thing that's going to happen and then we're going to do it again and I'm going to fly back in time and maybe I'm not laying open. Maybe, yeah, maybe I'm your conscious. Maybe I'm not. Maybe Dom I'm just back grabs maybe and I licks am. the side of his face. He just keeps talking. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't slow him down at all. I've been licked before. I'll be licked again. (laughs) (laughs) This will happen again and over and over and always at the cycle of licks. This is always going to happen again and again and again and again. And Starbucks dead and you're going to die and you're going to blow up and you're going to die and you're going to blow up and you're going to die and blow up and your mom's going to break your hands so you can die later. That's the the lesson As they just walk him into an airlock to just like, okay, all right. We've got other shit to do, by the way. So it's like, he's like, I've been licked before. I'll be licked again. It's going to happen again. I'm going to go. I don't want to be locked away. I've been locked away again. I'm going to be locked away again. I'm going to be. (laughs) (laughs) I've died in space before. I'll be dying in space again. It's It's really cold out here. It's really freezing. My eyeballs are popping out. I'm frozen. I'm stopping to feel things. My (laughs) respiration is crashing. I understand. His fucking tongue is freezing. It's just a piece of bark in his mouth. <laughs> just smacking against his teeth. <laughs> Starbucks dead, buddy. What do you think? <sighs> Fuck. Huh? Starbucks fucking dead, man. Yeah, what happened? I think. You think she was prepared I for think. it? You know what it is, too? It pisses me off because it's not, this aspect is definitely not the show's fault. It's just the, the fault of my own living in the year 2019 and having grown cynical about TV shows fucking with me on character deaths. And I'm like, is she? <laughs> is she though i don't know uh, i don't know 2004 was a different time maybe this is a true sincere shocking character death but i always go is she gonna crawl out of the dumpster though is she gonna crawl out from under i don't fucking know <laughs> otherwise damn starbucks fucking dead it blew me away i i did not expect that coming even this this whole episode but what sucks though man i got a lot of questions about this episode All right, I, let's I, talk let's go in i'm i'm ready Oh, fucking She's fucking painting ready. her underwear. She's painting her underwear before. She'll paint her underwear again. <laughs> over and over, I am lay open. Everything happens again. Over and over, it's a cycle of dancing in underwear and kissing Starbucks and falling on the floor and dancing in paint. Go do it again. We've done it before and we'll do it again. Endlessly lay open. Fuck. Lay open's back. Holy shit, I would just happy. I'd honestly just be happy with Starbucks having a sex dream of me. That's all I need. I don't actually care. 
Honestly, this would make a great Sherman Williams paint, <laughs> paint commercial. <laughs> Fucking our paint. Bing. Bringing people together. <laughs> Coming um, in our paint. <laughs> you can't tell because it's white. It's all Sherman sense. Williams uh, is really going for an aggressive guerrilla marketing campaign. It's quite disgusting, we would say. Um, dude, okay, you know what? Here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just ask you the question that has okay. been bugging me about this episode. And I've watched it three fucking times now. Wow. You've um, seen it more times and to than be honest, you, probably. Huh? I've probably only seen it twice, three times myself. Mm, Over well, the course you, of like a decade, though. Right. Well, dude, walk well, I away from your this question episode. Is. Huh? I know what your question is. Mm, okay, okay. Why, well, why, why was Hot Dog pulling his pecker and watching Starbuck have a sex dream? <laughs> Yeah, dude. You fucking what creepazoid. Fuck you what are you doing? You fucking creepo. Go to bed. How was that stream, Starbuck? Uh, hmm? Are you well, sweaty like me? Was it about me? Ugh. I'll have you but know no. that I'm Edward James, almost his son. Well, what's your, what's oh, your real question, Matthew? I still always forget that. Um, but no, my real question, honestly, comes from the Oracle. When she's talking to the Oracle, and she basically tells you, oh, yes, you confused the message for the messenger. You, got, you took the wrong lesson from me speaking with your mom. And I'm like, what lesson? What lesson? Because, I mean, to be honest, man, the, the whole thing that, like, Katie Sackhoff is great in this episode. It's a, it's a solid episode about Starbuck as far as digging into what makes Starbuck Starbuck and her feelings as a person, as a human being. And I think she's great. Like, the, the performance of this episode is, is, is so central to it, and it's really good. But... To be honest, man, I feel like the thesis of the episode, the, the story thesis, I'm like, I don't know if I like this. And I don't know what the fuck you're getting at other than you shouldn't be afraid of death. Make peace with death. You don't have to be afraid of it. And now once you're not afraid of it, blow your fucking brains out. Just die. And once you're not afraid of death, just kill yourself. And I'm like, is that what you're trying to say? Is that it? Is that the, what? Like, is that the lesson Starbuck was supposed to learn? That's not scary. Now fucking slit your wrists. Go for it. <laughs> Die. I'm like, is what? What a weird, happy nihilism. Like, I don't, uh, to be honest, man, this is one of the most baffling episodes so far, as far as like, what are you trying to say here? And maybe it's all a, a part of the larger thing of like, no, this is actually some Cylon trickery. And maybe, fuck, for all we know, we're going to find out Starbuck is a, a Cylon. We're going to see her wake up in a resurrection ship. And, and it was just, you know, we had to coax her into letting go of her humanity, her human cover, and wake up on the other side of it as a Cylon and re- learn the real truth about yourself. But if she's not a Cylon, dude, then all I took from this episode is she's been running from the idea of death and being afraid of death, you know, like any living thing. Uh, and once she sheds her fear of it, um, go ahead and kill yourself. Which and I'm like, fucking, huh? What a uh, weird fucking thing to say. I don't know, man. I don't get it. I to be honest with you, I wish this dippy moon bat would, be, would overcome her fear of death because then maybe she'd promptly drown herself in that little fucking bowl of water that she has her little trinkets in. <laughs> <laughs> Starbuck goes in for her next session. He just bubbles and pee everywhere. That'd be awesome. I've conquered my fear of death. Look how glorious I appear, drowned face down in my <laughs> right. trinket bowl. I'll never love again. I'll be forgotten. There's, there's no need to be afraid. Yeah. Don't get it, man. I feel, I we've definitely it. had this con- con- like conversation before on LSU Media, which is like. So what you're telling me is never overcome my fear of death and just live in fear until I die? Okay. Because <laughs> if I overcome it, I will be swept away by the fucking scythe of the Grim Reaper. <laughs> right? So my fear or keeps that- him at bay? Is that, is that what you're telling me? 
Right. I'm like, because I mean, there's that whole moment when she's talking to to Laoban later on, when she's like really going down into the maelstrom the second time, and 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 she goes unconscious, and she wakes up in her apartment, and there's Laoban, and 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 he's basically telling her this whole idea of like, see. There's no need to be afraid. You can just let go and and move into the space between life and death. That's where, where you'll, you know, th- that's the truth. But I'm like, there's no, there's no truth beyond what you're saying. Like, there's all these these, these pretty sort of quasi philosophizing going on about just let go, don't be afraid. But I'm like, but the only conclusion to draw from all of this fucking flowery bullshit is just go die. <laughs> just yeah, don't be afraid of it. So go do it. Go go off yourself. I'm like, I, what? It's so fucking weird, man. Like, I really, I came away from this episode with the shock, you know, the initial shock of, oh my God, Starbucks dead. And honestly, being more concerned about how that's going to affect Adama and Lee and everyone else. And with Starbucks herself, I'm like, so that's it? She just f- overcame her fear of death and killed herself. The yep. end. Goodbye. Is that supposed to be the fucking end of Starbuck? What the fuck? <laughs> Doesn't it sort of feel like you're just, it, it's like pro-suicide this episode? Kind of. Like, That's what I'm saying. I'm like, like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> they should have put the suicide hotline at the end of this. Like, oh, by the way, like, don't just fly into a fucking black hole if you get the chance. <laughs> put the re- Take the revolver out of your mouth, Joe. It's a TV <laughs> program. <laughs> uh, nothing like the comforting taste of gun oil. Fuck, man. Yeah, it'd be God. funny if they were flashing it up over the title screen, though. Like that, they were t- it was like a subtitle card over the middle of the screen. Call 1 800. I feel alone now. Just kept <laughs> Don't fly into a black hole for no reason. Yeah. The writer is like, uh, you know, he, he started some sort of suicide hotline that he makes bank on. Call, <laughs> <laughs> oh, definitely call. Yeah, because like so- you know, the premise is like you were born to a woman who believed suffering was good for the soul, so you suffered, right? And your life is a right. testament to pain. And that's like the Oracle knows all these things about Starbucks that she shouldn't know because Starbucks never shared them with the Oracle, basically. And this whole, this whole conversation, this pre-credit, pre, pre, um, pre-open conversation is the sets up the entire episode, which is like, well, are you telling us that she's been running from the pain her whole life and the fear of, of her past and all of this shit. And that like her mother, she should just like go quietly into the night. <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> right. That's what I can't shake off from this episode. And, and maybe in a sense, maybe that's what it's going for to unsettle us in that way of once she Realize these things about herself and made peace with it that she has like nothing else to live for. But your but your is, larger point makes so much more sense, which is the nihilism. Like, yeah, okay. So let's boil it down to anything. What the fuck is the point of anything? Right, right. What's the point of that's anything? What, if let's just for, for a minute, and that's the other thing that's weird about this is that Starbuck is the character that has all this religion. She she has faith. Yeah. So here we are going. Oh, okay. So. You know, you this this seems like something you wouldn't do. But then again, I, I'm presuming to know something about their faith, which I don't. But let's just say a Christian approach, which again, I'm not super well versed on. I mean, you know, I got baptized and stuff. Because you heathen scum, yeah. And did ahead. my thing when I was a a little boy. But like, I don't know. I, I my guess is that you're not supposed to be embracing the nihilistic tendencies of what's the point. So. Uh, the the episode's almost saying the point is to let go of the point. <laughs> right? yeah. it's, almost, it's almost like it's, a pathway to some sort of nihilistic 
sort of right. oblivion, I guess you'd say. Right. And, you know, to be honest, I'm somebody, and, you know, I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole, but I am no, kind of. No, go old. down the rabbit hole. It's a podcast. Well, Ah, that's true. But I'm just saying, like, I am the kind of the person of, of the persuasion of, yeah, guess what? There is no meaning in the universe and everything is just a chaotic, roiling nightmare and it's all headed toward entropy and destruction and there is no point to life. And that's that's true. But that's why you should live defiantly of like, hey, look at the happy accident of consciousness and existence. I'm going to just take my own possession of it and make my own meaning out of it because there is no ultimate meaning. So uh, it, you really, your choices are to just go, ah, there's no meaning, I want to off myself, or I'm going to find meaning or make my own meaning myself, and that's enough for me. And I'm like, this episode takes the opposite track of, uh, of what I would consider, like, at least the effort of trying to live and live with meaning or, or purpose or anything at all, of being like, yeah, see, you thought of yourself as a suffering blight, and you, were, you, you thought of yourself like cancer. Like, that's when we get that flashback to where she was interrogating Leoben. Uh, you know, the oracle recites that back to her of being like, sure. Oh, you thought of yourself as a cancer that needs to be removed. You're not seeing the truth. The real truth is suffering is fine and you should just die. <laughs> well, that seems to be the same conclusion she was already coming to. Right. Like, I don't, I don't understand it. it. It feels like a very, I don't know. It, it feels too cyclical as if like Starbuck behaves like a broken person who wants to die because she won't face the truth of the fact that she was a broken person and should die. <laughs> I think it's okay. I think it's Starbuck. I think Starbuck is a broken person who flirts with death in an attempt to sort of control it in her own way, to tempt fate in her own way, to to exercise some control over it. Like that's 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 almost like the thrill seeker trope, right? This idea totally. of jumping out an air, out of an airplane with a parachute. A lot of times, if you drill down to that, it's yes, there's an excitement to it. Of course, it's an experience. But then you got the people who are like always doing it, and it's almost like this is the the you're sort of flirting with this idea of the death possibility, but also the control you you exert over it, which is almost like counterintuitive because you'd think control freak would never jump out of a plane, which just might be true too. But also, it's uh yeah, it's a, it's a weird that thrill seeking mentality she has is her flirting with death, that which intrigue and terrifies her, as it intrigues and terrifies all of us, and that's her method of handling that existential sort of sliver that cuts into all of us eventually, you know, where we consider it. Right. It's like I was saying, it's like I was saying in the last episode, I think it was the last one where I was like, we're just pieces of shit. And, and (laughs) one of the reasons that, you know, a funeral and a wake and all that stuff disturbs us outside of the obvious is because we start to understand our own mortality um, especially the closer in age to the person lying in the coffin, we all get right. We, Oh, (laughs) indeed. You start going, Oh boy. It's, that's where I'm headed. So what Not does as it, far away as it once seemed. Right, so what does that mean? And then you start thinking about that, and then you, you know, and like you said, I, honestly, I kind of, I have, I have that side of me kind of like you do, and, and this is something Nate and I talked about in our Tamulus Talks bonus up, by the way, mm-hmm. where, where we were talking about what is the point of anything, kind of. We talked a little bit about that, and I was like, well, we're kind of all in it together, I think, is the only real, you can, like the law, the real answer is who cares, mm-hmm. right? Because you, you'll never quite understand it and you'll go mad thinking about what is the point. The right, right, and right, I, I feel like the larger question is why should there be a point? Who right, cares? exactly. Who cares is, is, the, is the answer I typically have. Who cares what the point is? This is what it is. <laughs> it and, just is. And you can make with it what you will, which should probably be to positively impact everyone around you as much as possible and 
and try to uh, impart some sort of goodness to make everyone's existence a little bit easier because I think as human beings, we tend towards that. I don't think we tend towards, you know, I don't think, I'm, I, I'm not convinced misery is good for us, but I'm also not convinced that struggle is is bad for us either. You know, there's oh, that I think, too. Yeah, I mean, I think struggle is inherent to existence. Correct, um, it creates growth, just, right? Right, I mean, how does that apply real, to Starbucks, I wonder? That's, yeah. And see, that what really bugs me is I feel like one of the best lines in the episode, and it's a brief one, and it's really not the focus of the episode, but it comes from Lee, and it's when he's talking to Adama, you know, his father, about Kara, and, and, and you know, Adama's like, do you think she should be pulled? You know, like, is, mm. she, is she starting to burn out? And yep. I think Adama, you know, made a great point of, like, even the best among us burn out sometimes. And, sure. and what, do you, what do you think of her? And Lee nailed it, actually. He was like, I think her identity as the steely-eyed Viper pilot is the last thing holding her together. And he's like, he was scared. And to me, that's why I feel like that's the most appropriate answer to the question of, well, why didn't he just pull her off duty? Obviously, if she was cracking up, I was like, I think she would have cracked up even worse if he'd pulled her. Like, I think it, it is an unfortunate truth about her character and who she is that at the end of the day, you know, and we see it with her mom. Like, when she's talking about, uh, for the first time, when I looked into the cockpit of that Viper, I felt like I belonged. Like, this is, you know, it's funny that we were just talking about goodwill hunting. It's like, this is the thing that she just intuitively, as a human being, understood from jump. You know, like, mm-hmm. I looked at it, and it just made sense to me, and I know how to do it, and she's fantastic at it. It's the thing in her life that she is indisputably great at. I mean, Starbuck is a fucking living legend. I'm the best legend. fucking Viper pilot you've ever seen. <laughs> there's never been a fucking Viper pilot better than me. I'll get my missile tone and lock. I'll blow your Cylon Raider out of the fucking sky. I never pulled like my vipers? shoot. How yeah. you like this, Vipers? Yeah, you huh? like Vipers? How you like these fucking missiles? Right up your te- right up your ass. That's right. <laughs> you heard me. And it is, you know what? I know it's not my fault. Fuck you. I feel good about who I am in this cockpit. Huh? <laughs> I'll take out any Cylon. Cockpit. Best shot in and out of the cockpit. <laughs> and I'll fuck but your that- girl, too. What do you think of that? I'm a real recluse pilot out here. I'm a real <laughs> thrill seeker. You want to go to Fenway and catch a Sox game? <laughs> fucking die <laughs> Fenway you want to go to space Fenway huh? hey you want to go catch the space socks they're pretty fucking good I think they're die, playing against die. the I think they're playing That's against it, the no, space yeah, cocks let go. just let go Dean go into the maelstrom I think they're playing against the space cocks yeah you want to go no yeah I got tickets no what are you doing why are you putting it's me spa- it's space cocks versus, versus how- the galaxy vulvas what? Why it's going to be amazing how come you put me in the airlock hey what's going on <laughs> talk to the local 403 get my union rep on the com <laughs> pop up the noise don't it, don't it. all I'm saying all I'm saying Starbuck is if I come to this fucking ready room my dream is that someday I just don't see you sitting there okay and I get in my fucking car and I go to work <laughs> <laughs> good, <laughs> good, Kara's thrace. Good I just hun- want to know. Good I want to know that you went out Kara. there. That you went out there, and one day you're not gone because you flew nose first into the black hole and died. That make me so proud. <laughs> Fucking, there ain't no space uh, Irish curse. It's a myth started by the Aralons. <laughs> but no, I mean that's that's no. what she is, man. Like she is. The Viper pilot. She's honest to God, a living legend among the fleet already. Everybody knows the call sign Starbuck. Like that is her whole identity. And I think that's interesting. And I think that's real about her. 
Um, and even the show getting into the whole her whole background with her mom of that, even her being the first member of the Thrace family to become an officer, that's not enough. And her mom is still focusing on the negative and the disappointment. What I don't understand about that whole interaction is I'm like, okay, so she left and didn't come back and her mom died alone. Um, and she gets to kind of have this quasi do over when when she goes back with Leoben and gets to be with her mom in her last moments. But what is revealed in those last moments? Uh, that her mom still always loved her when it seemed like she didn't love her and she held on to all her things and and then her mom dies and now Kara's cool with dying. And that's kind of it. I'm like, I don't get I don't get how that really informs the character of Kara Thrace. Starbuck. The only I'm thing like, it informs the character of Kara Thrace about is that she achieves peace with her mother, which is a huge source of contention for her. And this is right. something common in psychology. Making peace with an estranged parent can work wonders for you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of times there is resentment when one parent has been terrible and there's no communication. And, uh, and, and tragically, if that parent dies without recon- reconciliation, that's very, that's got to be very challenging, right? Oh, um, yeah. But, but I want to talk about Starbucks' mom, but I want to pause on that for a second because I want to go back to what you were saying, which kicked off this whole thing, which is her identity tied up in the pilot, which is what Lee talks to his dad about. So when Lee and Bill are talking, he's like, listen, <laughs> I, this, if we take this from her, I don't know, because this is her everything. Yeah. And you started to talk about that. And I want to talk a little bit more about that, which is like, you know, her, her natural ability, her, you know, her like doing the fucking equations and shit. Right. It's this the, is it's her the, natural strength. This, she's a Mozart of the f- cockpit. Yeah, exactly. Right? And it is all that she knows. And there's nothing wrong with that. She no. doesn't really resent it. She never hides it. In fact, she embraces it. That's the difference between, since we're talking about goodwill hunting, Will and her, right? He doesn't. He, he, he does everything but embrace it. She always, it is, she wears it around her neck with pride. Yeah. It's what makes her who she is. And I think she actually enjoys it. Yeah. And I think the thing with her mother is separate, right? Agreed. Like, yeah. I think, um, not that you can separate them entirely because it's like, you know, what do they call it? A Venn diagram? It, they, they are, they do the circles overlap mm-hmm. because it's her mother. It's part of her life. And it's possible her mother's career choice is what pushed her towards the colonial fleet, what, which is what made her find her passion, which has made her figure out this is what I want to do. And suddenly, She's a, this amazing natural, one of the best of all time, if not the best of all time, as far as the colonial uh, fleet is concerned. Mm-hmm. And I think her being that person is one thing. And then there's the, is, is she so good because of her, <clears throat> you, you would almost say, what, what's ironic about Starbuck and her identity as a pilot <clears throat> is that she is... She's seemingly fearless. She does crazy stunts. Stunts yeah. other pilots are not willing to do. This is a common trope in the racing picture, right? You have a guy who, who pushes, and he's not afraid to fucking shoot his car up into the stands and die. And he wins the race because he's willing to put it all on the line. He's willing to, to always go to the metaphorical gun in the table, right? He's willing to go as far as needed. And in, in, in Starbuck is that person. She was always willing to go as far as she needed to go. The crazy stunts she would pull in the cockpit. And, and, and maybe that connection, as I'm talking it out, is, is what, where her mother comes in, which is this idea of death, right? 
Yeah. Doing crazy shit in a car. Co- like, we can do crazy shit on a podcast, man. I can say, fuck, dick, pussy, come, right? We can do that <laughs> shit and mm-hmm. say crazy shit and make off-color jokes. And at the end of the day, we're just kind of making jokes. The worst thing that happens, you get fired from a day job, right? You're not going to probably turn nose down and, and go below the hard line of a planet and then smash into it and die. Like, death most likely is not the end result of us going bananas on this and, and cutting loose and really pushing the limits, right? Right. You would argue pushing the limits might make us grow, might make us learn something about ourselves, which is what usually separates good from great. Is that a, that willingness to go, to push, to to be uncomfortable. So many other of these pilots are comfortable. Lee is a very comfortable, by the book, very competent pilot, but he does not have what, what Kara has. And that's because of Kara's recklessness um, and, and talent. She's not, if she was reckless and sucked, she would just crash and die, right? Yeah. If she was Cat, <laughs> she'd be dead, and Cat's dead. <laughs> True. Cat was reckless and pretty good, but not. But not one once in a lifetime, not once in a every three generations, not a Mozart of the cockpit, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. She was more of like a... <laughs> Salieri. Oh, uh, yeah. She was more of a Salieri of the cockpit. But, um... <laughs> Play cat. <laughs> no need, I already have it in my head. Mozart tells Salieri, and then he wants to fucking chop his own head off. <laughs> you see Mozart? You see, you see Amadeus? Oh, it's been a million years. Fucking Salieri composed, real quick, Salieri composes this piece for Mozart, Mozart's arrival. And um, he has it all staged to where as Mozart's walking up this long hallway, it's being played on the harpsichord. And as Mozart walks in, the, the, the piece continues. It's, it, it reaches its climax and it ends. And then he's like, oh, I, I made this piece for you. He's like, oh, great. And then he's like, I'd be honored if you would play it. And he goes to hand Mozart the music and he's like, no need. I already have it up here. Like he memorized it walking to the fucking harpsichord. Jesus. And then he sits down and he goes, but it's kind of dull, isn't it? And then he starts playing it and then he improvises on it and makes it like 10 times better. And Salary's like, I'm going to kill myself. <laughs> <laughs> like he, he took the music you just made, which was complex, you yeah. know, and, and played it exactly as you just played it and then made it better. You know, that's, that's Kara Thrace. And, and Mozart was reckless, right? It's, you know, it's, it's like, it's because the thing you do, you're just like, ah, you know, I'm going to be a, a crazy person. That's just the way it is. You know, I don't know if you remember Opie and Anthony, like I was reading about Anthony and it's like, you know, you, you became this amazing, you became this amazingly successful radio DJ and then you went bananas and you drank too much and you got involved in this and you're banging girls in the studio and you're fucking playing video games all night and you're going fucking nuts and drunk. And like that happens. Like <laughs> you're just like, I've mastered it. Now what? You know, like <laughs> Carol was never going to get better as a Viper pilot. And maybe yeah. there's something in that, that, that creates, well, now what am I going to do? It's like, it's like the guy who's fucked 10,000 women. He's like, well, I don't know. I guess I'll put it in your butt while your head's outside of a trailer truck. While my foot's, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like, I, like, I don't know. It's <laughs> we're going to do a 10 person orgy on the wing of a jet. Right. While we <laughs> right. Fucking in the atmosphere. <laughs> what does Mick Jagger do? <laughs> okay fuck enough mate that, there was that old bit I, I, I can't I don't know the comedian I wish I did but he was like oh it was Bill Maher back when he was awesome and did stand up and doesn't do the dumb HBO show but he <laughs> was like he was like he was talking about how Mick Jagger and David Bowie slept together and he goes they simply had already done all the pussy in England <laughs> they'd done everything. like the only recourse they had less was to the only recourse they had was to fuck each other 
<laughs> well, so mate, funny. we'll give it a go. Yeah, yeah. Like, kind of bored. We've sort of run through everyone else in this country, so we might as well, well hump ourselves. Uh, <laughs> fuck, so funny. But um, but you know that's and, and that's that leads to the risk taking, and you know there's part of that which leads to the risk taking, and then there's part of it which is like the this this dancing with death, and that's you're really dancing with death in the cockpit, and and uh, yeah, I, I like you said, man, you're like you're so on point when you're like. But every carbon-based life form attempts to not die. Right. If you hold yeah. up fire, it goes around it. You know, there's a drive to live. You know what I mean? Exactly. <laughs> uh, and I mean, I feel like, you know, you can, you can identify struggle as being literally attached and con- essential to life. You know, you, there's no form of life that doesn't have to struggle into being. Like a seed, you know, uh, this thing that, uh, something that sprouts out of a seed has to push through the shell of the seed and push through dirt to reach sunlight, to live. Like everything is, can be boiled down to this struggle through. That's yeah. what, like, existence is struggle. Like that's what it is. Um, Damn, so that's, that's, that's of, you should write that down. <laughs> Uh, eh, I'll make a book one day, maybe. Yeah, Some maybe. pretentious ass book. You can. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it might have been said though, right? All life is suffering. Oh, guaranteed. Probably <laughs> guaranteed. Somewhere out east, somewhere maybe. <laughs> I'm going to use the old Doctor Google to find out who said that before me 400 years ago. <laughs> Definitely been said before. Yeah, um, been said before. All but, life is I mean, suffering. But part, but, but but the reason I say that, the reason I kind of bring that up is what feels, what feels like it's it's supposed to be a revelation in this episode is Kara realizing that she's been risky and struggling harder than she ever should have and pushing herself and kind of like oh I don't have to do that and then concluding that I should just embrace death like it's the conclusion that really bothers me about this and and to kind of get into a more like meta overall sense for the show i'm like the only way this episode and its conclusion will make sense to me going forward and by you know especially by looking back by the end of the series is if she was kind of a pawn like is this is she being used as like a sacrifice for some cylon purpose or something because outside of it like Kara's if it's just Kara if this is genuinely the end of Kara's story that she kind of comes to terms with with her reckless existence her fear of death coming from you know having abandoned her mom even though she had this fraught relationship and she's been kind of torching all of her own relationships especially with Anders and with Lee and everything's everything's a mess because she's constantly on the run from this like fear of death it's also self-sabotage we talked about that with her a lot right yeah I mean that's totally her she's punishing herself just like her mother punished her yeah. By sabotaging relationships. Right, right. But it, it, it's to me just so, the, what's baffling about all of that is because I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. This all makes sense for Kara. Everything, yeah, this is like lining up. And I, the revelations about how this relationship with her mother was and abusive and her shutting her fucking little kid hand in a door, which is horrible. <laughs> all this is horrible shit. And I'm like, yeah, I get it. This makes sense for her. Like I, it, I felt like I was coming to a little bit of a better understanding of her character. And then it was just like, well, I I learned these things. It would be as if somebody went to therapy and like they finally had this breakthrough and they're like, they're crying and the therapist is handing them a tissue and they're like, you're right. It was my my relationship with my father and I I finally reconciled that. I'm finally at peace. And they just take out a fucking revolver and Bud Dwyer themselves right in the office. I'm like, shit, that's the conclusion you got from the breakthrough? Even better, the the, the shrink, like the shrink is, you know, you you do, you do the, I'll be the shrink. You go. (laughs) Oh, you know, Hey, we, I just I, want to say, Matthew, we've made some terrific breakthroughs today. 
Um, and I want to know how you feel. I feel, I feel finally at peace. You know, I, mm-hmm. I look back at all these, these pause, relationship pause. problems. Meanwhile, I'm reaching under the desk. <laughs> Keep going. I've made peace with the relationships that I, I, I feel like I destroyed in the past out of my own pause. fear. And, and I was never honest with people. I, I placed a, bo- I placed a nice ornate box on the desk in front of you. And I oh, open but, uh, it. Inside is a nickel-plated pistol. And I go, congratulations. You have arrived. <laughs> you've, you've completed therapy. You're Perfect. the first person to complete therapy. <laughs> you got to the final level. <laughs> the unbeatable game is beaten. Yeah. <laughs> you are fully healed and you're a restored, complete person I reach now. In, I re- AKA, time to die. Re- reach, into, reach into the desk. I pull out a little remote, hit a button, and like, plastic falls behind you <laughs> <laughs> you just have a bateman tarp yeah, I do. Down it, just falls, <laughs> it drops behind you and then, I, and then i'm just like and now you know what to do <laughs> you i have little devil fuck. horns on my head my fucking fingernails are long all of a sudden i'm like go ahead <laughs> yeah you won i'm sitting there covered in blood clapping hooray <laughs> you beat the final boss of therapy as your fucking leg like twitches and your arm shoots straight out in a weird like like when the guys get knocked out in the ufc way you just slump down my couch nine foot jet of blood just still hitting the ceiling (laughs) hooray that's what a beautiful lesson i go over and i and i do the thing where I, i have the dress pants on and i like i pull them up I do the like quick pull up on the on the legs and I squat down and I look into your eyes as the light leaves them. <laughs> and I go, this, you made and it, you're buddy. just fucking lay open and you're like, it's beautiful. It's beautiful, isn't it? Easy for me to say I'm alive. <laughs> I'm gonna go have right. a delicious burger and fuck somebody today. Sorry. That's gonna be oh, awesome. Why <laughs> life feels so good moist around my penis. Boy, life's great. Oh, the blood starts getting close to my wingtips. I take a step back a little bit. But that's, I mean, we're being hyperbolic as fuck, but that's kind of this episode, man. And that's what's rubbing me wrong about it. I'm like, what the hell? I don't get it. Is this what you're really saying? Part of the problem is they pause the fact that they act like fear of death is some unique thing to be overcome and then embrace the oblivion of death. Yeah. Oh, because you were abused as a kid, you're scared of death. And that's a problem. I'm like, no, that's what being alive is. That's yeah. (laughs) Plus being you, you, your, your flight and your fight and flight response with that is so amped up when you're an abused person. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. And hers is always fight. And, but, but Mm -hmm. yeah, Leoben's words are something like, um, he says, um, you didn't tell anyone else because you were drawn to it. You fear its pull. Talking about the eye of Jupiter now. You want to fly into it. You want to cross over, but you're afraid of the unknown. Death. All of your high-wire stunts have been enacted. Time after time, you skip to the edge of the abyss and dance away again, but you've never really conquered your fear. You've been afraid ever since that day. That's what he says to her. And that's when we get into the mom stuff. Which is such a roundabout way, again, of saying... You became scared of death that day, and so now you shouldn't be scared of death, and now you should die. Right. I, I know, they, I they, just, they're, like, they're talking to her like, you know, the, the, the horrific reality of somebody who's terminally, terminally, terminally ill and coming to grips with that, right? That's what they're pretend, they're acting like that with her. Right. Right? Yes. It's like, yeah. come on, man. Like, she's a young, virile, is that the right word? Yeah. Yeah. Woman. Strong. Yeah. Yeah. 
Like, that's, <laughs> you're right, though. Like, they act like it's like, oh, it's finally time to let go. I'm like, dude, she's like 32. <laughs> it, not she's, even. Yeah, exactly. She's a, right? Yeah, I'm like, she's a fucking strong, healthy, badass pilot. Like, why, <laughs> what are you talking about letting go of? Yeah. What the fuck? Exactly. I don't, what are you talking about? <laughs> Bothers me, man. It it's pisses weird. me off. <laughs> Be, before we go to the mom stuff, what do you think they were trying to get at with, like, him banging her on the paint? I know we kind of just joked about it, but. Yeah, uh, that, like there's this weird unresolved sexual attraction to him. Is is it, it, you know what I attributed it to in a really fucked up, sick way? It's almost like he'd spent his whole life trying to get her to sort of embrace and like him in that weird way when he was her captor, and she mm-hmm. always sort of reluctantly did it. But this time it was very like passionate, and she was into it. And, and is right. that supposed to be some weird metaphor for an acceptance of something? You know, it's like, it's a little weird. Well, that's what's weird it's about uncomfortable. this episode too. I mean, it's well, hot, don't get me wrong. But oh yeah, considering yeah. their ha- past, it's a little weird. Yes. Um, and that's the other really odd thing about this episode. There's that moment where she's like, but you know, but you're, you're, I think she says something about him being a Cylon. And he's like, I never said I was a Cylon. Never said I was Leoben. Right. how he's like appearing to her. And so I'm like, is he just supposed to be her mind's representation, her mind's personification of death? Is that what he is in this episode? And her, like, you know, having this passionate, you know, session of lovemaking. I like with it. Him is, is that supposed to be her realizing that's, that she wants, that she wants it? That Except she wants death. death by fucking it. <laughs> Fuck death. Fuck him. Literally. <laughs> Fuck death. Yeah, it's it's interesting. And, in in, you know, the paint covering the eye and there's some sort of perhaps closure there. Uh, well, no, the paint covers the eye and then it, the, the eye burns back through. Oh, right. You're right. So I'm like, that's a weird, <laughs> that's another weird addition to this whole metaphor. Uh, yeah. That, that it can't be covered up, that it's, you can't. Sure, you can't, you can't cover it up with your, with your bullshit, basically. Right. Yeah. Your paint and sex. But again, that just boils back down to what seems like the weird thesis of this show. If you can't cover it up, time to die. <laughs> and I, you know, like, that's yeah, man, yeah. And that's, that's where I'm like, awesome. I watched this thing three times, which is one of the most I've ever watched any single episode. And I, I can't shake that. I'm like, is that really what you're trying to say? Like, it, it seems like they hammer on it pretty hard. Mm. Um, and the only the only clues we get of anything otherwise is once we have that scene where her mom does pass away and she gets to be there and she starts talking to Leoben. She says, "You're not Leoben," and he says, "I never said I was." Right. And you know, essentially now now you're ready to become who you really are. Uh, you're gonna pass. He was Leoben as a human being, as captured by the fleet in the miniseries. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And that's why not I captured, mean, but you know, they, they they had him and then he. Yeah, remember that he had Bill, he had him and Bill, and Bill beat him to death with a flashlight. <laughs> Beautiful, <laughs> hell yeah. Um, but yeah, like the the last thing, the last exchange that he has with her is he's saying, "You're ready to you know discover what lies between the you know in the space between life and death." So that to me mm-hmm. is the one big clue in this episode of okay, I think this might be some Cylon fuckery that there's something beyond this that it's not about actual death it's about her discovering about herself right so but your larger point makes sense because let's just pretend for a minute like if 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 starbucks dead then we go okay the episode's still like like some of the some of the stuff we're asking questions about don't suddenly get resolved if she if she does return because Mm -hmm. now you're just saying oh just kidding and forget all that writing you know what i mean like it's Either way, the, the, the show has to account for some of these questions we're asking. 
Yeah. Yeah. So it's a good point by you. Either way, we go, okay. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter where, it doesn't matter whether she is or isn't. What matters is how this is written and what it appears to be. Mm-hmm. Because that's all that matters because it's an episode, right? Indeed. Yeah. Um, and, you know, as far as some of the other stuff, like we, her relationships with the other characters. Sure. I mean, everything with Anders is still pretty fraught. Like their their last real exchange mm-hmm. where he's trying to get her to come you know, with him on some R&R. And she's like, I'll think about it. And he's like, well, that means no. Like right. their their relationship has pretty much frayed out. Where it's like, it's obvious that they had just had sex. They had just slept together. But he's just leaving, and he's he doesn't seem tortured by it anymore. He's very much like, okay, that means no, all right, and and like you, you kind of see like, yeah, this is it hasn't ended yet, but it is in the process of ending. This relationship is not it's not working, um, which is no surprise for Kara and the way she torches all of her relationships. Um, but with him, with her and Lee, they kind of come back to this to the status quo. Like when Lee tells her that, hey, like, I'll back you up. I will be your, your second wing on this flight. And, you know, she brings up the whole idea of like, well, here we are again. You know, I'm your, your hotshot, reckless pilot, and you're my CAG trying to keep me in order. It looks like this is all we'll ever be. Like, mm-hmm. their relationship is the one relationship, not even the one with, you know, Admiral, Admiral Adama. That doesn't get resolved. But their relationship, you know, between Kara and Lee is resolved in this episode of, yeah, I, I'm with, you know, D, you are with Anders for now. Um, and what we're going to be to one another are friends and, and you know, colleagues that will respect one another. And we kind of move past all of this fraught, I kind of am in love with you and we don't know what we're doing shit. And it kind of comes back to the original status quo. This is where they were in episode one. And, and you know, it. that's a really good point. And I want to talk about that a little deeper because if you take that whole idea and you just go, okay, Yes, that's what she's talking about as it relates to their relationship. But yeah. maybe she's also internalizing that as her view of herself outside of Lee. And Lee is just a benchmark for 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 like where she is in her own existence. Does that make sense? I know that sounds really convoluted. In other words, in other words, what she's saying is, is this all I will ever be? Yeah. And and yeah. is that the cycle she's stuck in? Like, this is me. This is all I have left. This is this. It, it makes you consider it, that's kind of a dark way to think about it. That gets back to the nihilism. Like, Oh, this is all I have. This 40 hour week white collar job where I don't quite make enough money and I'm always kind of stressed and I'm unhappy. So I might as well just blow my brains out. Like, is that like, is, <laughs> is that kind of what we're getting at when she says it? Is she saying like, in other words, maybe she's not just talking about the relationship. Maybe she's talking about herself and where she's at in her life and that she feels like she's always going to be on this railroad track. Yeah, yeah. The, the, With it all no deviation, how it is, right? Yeah, that seems that sounds like purgatory in a sense. Right, right. And I mean, and it also shows that she is thinking of her life in a sense as as concluded already. Like, ah, oh, and this is it. Correct. Like, this is this is the whole shape and outline of my life. We're here. It's not going to change. It's not going to be any different. It's going to continue on like this. Boy, that is the that's a big that's a big bad sign for especially younger people. You know, I, I remember being young. I remember being 17 and thinking that I was in this really bad position. And I wouldn't say I was suicidal, but I was in this position where I was like, uh, is this kind of it? Like, <laughs> is it going to be this struggle from, you know, this to that, from this job to that job? I'm not going to school. Like, is this, have I, have I, have I already topped out? 
Because right. you, we, it's hard to think about and imagine things you haven't actually experienced sometime, especially in the temporal real world. I'm not talking, I'm not talking about make-believe. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, you know, that's, that's a common thing when you feel like this is it. There's no way out. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, yeah. And I wonder, I wonder, I wonder if that's kind of what's going on. I wonder if that's part of it. It seems but, like, it. I mean, it seems like she, you know, the way, even the way Lee looks at her when she says that, she's like, oh, so this is all we'll ever be now. And he kind of looks at her as if like, hmm, like that's how you think? <laughs> that's how sure. you think of this? Uh, that it, 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 it sounds like I was saying, like a conclusion she's already reached and the, she's like settled into like, and this is it, nothing more. Right. You know, n- not just between us, you know, in our relationship, but for me and for my life. And You know, it, in a weird way, I, I like to almost attribute it to, let's go back to the Mozart thing. And you go back to the recklessness thing. You know, it's not just the fear of death, but also the rec- the recklessness that occurs as a result of the boredom, perhaps. Uh, yeah. Imagine, and here's a here's just a good way to think about it. Here's just like a um, like a metaphor, I guess, is what you would call this. Suppose you were amazing at a video game that had become very simple to you, and it was the only one you could play forever. Oof, God! And you know, and, and everyone else was like, oh, I can't quite figure it out, and, and I'm still like. You know what I mean? It's almost like she's so good and that's like her job is to be a Viper pilot and she's so good at it. She's kind of, she's kind of been there, done that. She mastered it. She's like, yep. Right. It's like, she's so good at it, unnaturally good at it, but it's also the only thing she's good at. Which is a part of why she does her antics, you know, which goes back to all the shit we've been talking about, right? The David Bowie, (laughs) Mick Jagger (laughs) stuff. This is all I've got left. Yeah. But I don't know. It's weird. So, if that's there's there's this whole other part of the episode and and we'll we'll wrap on the episode by talking about the mother and sort of the very end, but I don't think we're ready for that yet because what I want to also talk about is the metaphysical stuff, mm, like her actually being in this like dream space with Leoben. Yes, the dream space with Leoben, her hallucinations, the Oracle knowing things the Oracle shouldn't. Yeah, because that's has the show the show has so never really expli- explicitly shown us this sort of magic for lack of a better word. Right. It's always existed. One of the interesting things about Battlestar Galactic has always been these characters relationships with gods. The fact that there was religion in it, that was kind of interesting. And, oh yeah. And mirrored, you know, the idea of, of the coming of Christ in Christianity and the eradication of the old gods as people converted and dropped their gladiuses and said, I don't want to do this fighting thing anymore. You know, this, <laughs> it's kind of an interesting idea where some of these warriors follow the old gods and some of them like the Cylons follow the God, a God. They always ever say one, at least six does. Yeah. Yeah. And there's that whole piece of it wrapped up in it. My, my long winded point in there is always just saying, but have we ever seen in listen, it's hard to remember, but is this, is it coincidental? Could we use reason and logic to understand how the Oracle might know this information? Probably not, because nobody has ever told the Oracle, and we know Starbuck didn't tell the Oracle. So what does that mean for Battlestar Galactica? Right, the yeah. meta aspect of, uh, the metaphysical aspect of, of that Oracle, the power of the Oracle. We saw the <laughs> other Oracle, but she was quoting Pythia and quoting the book, and, and there's, oh, it's kind of coincidental that she's dying. Well, well, now she isn't, so maybe the scrolls are bullshit. You know, there's always a, right? And right. here we are with a, a real direct, like, whoa, this woman has insight into Starbuck, literal sentences 
unless we're to believe that perhaps the only explanation you could offer is that Laoban the Cylon might have insight into Starbuck and told her, but now we're getting really convoluted and goofy. Yeah, and that would, that would just be a mess. Um, to be honest, I mean, <clears throat> with the Oracle in this episode and with you know some of the other past events of you know the way almost things feeling like they're following a fate and a destiny and characters ending up in these places, which in a lot of other shows could almost be considered bad writing uh, of like the coincidental nature of some of these things. But I think with where we're at at this point in Battlestar Galactica, you kind of almost have to conclude that the gods of this world, or at least the god, you know, that the supernatural essences that people are referring to, some of them are real. Like some, sure. there, there are gods in this universe that uh, are speaking to some of the characters like certainly some forces way. beyond comprehension right like they they're you know this is pretty hard proof of the fact that she received knowledge that she could not have received from at least any human being correct uh, Leoben is the only other entity you know a cylon who knew the knew, knew these things but there's no reason to believe she knows Leoben. other uh, you know, the only other convoluted possibility is that she is also a cylon and she you know we're going to reveal that she's one of the models and she is on a mind link with fucking Leoben, and this was all some big ploy to get starbuck to kill herself um because she, either she's right. a cylon or they're trying to kill starbuck which is real weird and convoluted um so i don't know man but cuz for me i take it as yeah we have pretty Hard confirmation at this point that prophecies and gods in the show, some of that shit is just real. Like sure. it, it's pretty unconfirmed whether there is just the the monotheistic one god or if there's the polytheistic many gods with many temples and oracles. Don't know which or one both. is real, but but one of them is. Or, or both. <laughs> or both. Yeah. Right. Yeah, but yeah, to you and I think you said it, but to to, to sort of summarize, it's science fiction, right? There yeah. could always be some weird mind reading device somewhere, but. But the other thing you said, which makes total sense, is that we're kind of deep into it to be like, oh, look at this secret layer where we have this interesting surveillance to read. Mo-. I'd be like, what? <laughs> right. That's Are a pretty going late that introduction. Yeah. Yeah, it's wow. weird. But um, yeah, it's uh, that that stuff I always thought about. And this is like, wow, this is this is wild. And and then there is the Starbucks sort of fatigued and she's cracking up and she's hallucinating and. And, you know, these guys kind of downplay it. You know, Lee, Lee makes the point of saying we would all be grounded if we weren't in wartime because they're all exhausted, they're all overworked, they're all in a tough spot. Right. But, but yeah, it, it's, it's funny he's, it's funny he believes that allowing Starbuck to keep, to keep her identity is, is the move here. Yeah. It's yeah. risky. Well, obviously he's going to have an interesting after action report when he's writing about Ooh, her death. I right? know. Poor fucking Lee. And that's, you know, uh, that's another thing we haven't really talked about. And I've, I know it probably sounds like I'm kind of down on this episode, and in certain ways I am, but I think this is an excellently well-made episode. It's very well-structured. I really like the look of the Maelstrom. I like mm-hmm. this, the first sequence of her going down into it and the second sequence going down into it. It's some of the coolest visuals uh, in a long time, man. Like, I, the the actual episode itself, I enjoyed watching. I think it's incredibly well-made. And I think... For, you know, even going back into this like weird dream space and back into time, it all works. Um, sure. There are times we've talked about like, you know, most recently, like Adama having his visions of his ex-wife and everything. That shit was kind of weird Ugh. the way they tried to, to, to mix it in. Brutal. It just kind of, it just felt off and wrong. It sucked. Yeah. It just I hope didn't the writer's work. wife leaves him. <laughs> and he <laughs> sees goes, visions no, I wrote of her. it into existence. 
<laughs> um, but yeah, like in this episode, I think structurally everything works. And I even think, you know, the actress who plays her mom is really good. And uh, the ending of this episode is so gut-wrenching and, and powerful. Uh, dude, did you read anything about uh, the, the, the final shot with Adama? No, and you got to be careful reading shit. I know, I know. I got to be. I, I I let myself click since now I'm watching it on Amazon. It's got the trivia on the side. I let myself read a little trivia, and uh, dude, I love that final scene where we see Adama put the uh, goddess Aurora, the little figure that sure. that Starbuck gave him onto his ship, and then he you know loses it and smashes the ship apart and weeps. I think it's an incredible ending. I think fucking Adama is great there. Um, but also, that was not supposed to happen. He improvised smashing the ship and oh, evidently shit. didn't realize that the ship was not a prop for the show. It was a $2,000 museum fucking replica of an actual ship that they had basically on loan. And he just fucking smashed it wow. to pieces and ripped it apart. And they were like, uh, wow, we're going to keep that. That's really good. Um, but you weren't supposed to break that. <laughs> and evidently it was insured at least. But yeah, that was, that was not a, a model to break. Yeah. All you need is Lily from First Contact being like, you broke your little ships. <laughs> After Picard broke loses on. his mind and breaks his ships. No! No! <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, you uh, are right, though. It is, it, it is it's certainly a Purdy app. The, it's really, yeah. The cockpit yeah, shots, great. the rain on the canopy. I love that shit. I love the Dude, way it looks. Yeah. Right? There's a lot and of great it, visual stuff. I love in the Eye of Jupiter. The visual motif of that is great. Oh, it recurring so in cool. art. It recurring in the dropping of the wax. That stuff yeah. is badass, man. That, yeah, that's cool. It's intriguing. Um, and I do yeah. generally speaking, I do kind of like some of the medical physical stuff. I do, it, it is interesting. It's always been interesting in this show, and I like that. Um, yeah, it, me too. It just becomes a question of like, wow, what is this? You know, the the only explanation I can offer having if we take my knowledge as of this episode would be well then Leo would know something about death we don't you know and right and like you said that clue about the existing between those spaces that's fascinating yeah yeah and that's the thing like my first watch of this episode was pretty much pure enjoyment um but hmm. by the very end kind of having this nagging feeling of like well but but why like what 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 really happened right. here like i enjoyed watching it so much and it was my second viewing and then my third viewing where i'm like yeah i'm actually not feeling great about this like great about the message of the episode regardless of how well it's made yeah, it's it, and I'll, you know it might be one of those things where it's all just wrapped in mystery, like BSG likes to do, and this will be answered more as time goes on, as far as what was really going on here. But it's so wrapped in mystery, with the only conclusion being essentially a a pro kill yourself conclusion. Is, is, that it, I, is it? Is it? Can, is it possible for us just to go? Well, why do we presume to understand Cylon morality? Yeah, and, and it appears as such that Asylum is coaching her, despite him denying that existence, or 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 exists, or at least suggesting that I never said I was him. But but there is that part of it, right? There is the we don't quite have our hands wrapped around Cylon morality. It's always been a bit dodgy. Oh yeah, very. <laughs> yeah, a bit a bit dodgy. A bit dodgy. But it's cool, and you know, I like I like. You're right. There's a lot of questions to be had, but structurally, the episode's pretty sound, and um, and we should probably talk about mom as we close this out. The end of this year. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about mom. <laughs> oh boy! Ah, you should have had first in your class. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> 
I didn't properly motivate you by smashing your little five-year-old hand in a door. <laughs> didn't that make you want to be great? Hey, Mom, I hope that cancer moves real quick. Because you <laughs> suck. What are you doing? Fucking horrible. Right. Um, yeah, dude. That's the other thing I struggled with here of like, oh, you should have tried to understand your mom better. She actually wanted the best for you and just didn't know how to say it. I'm like, yeah, she also beat the living shit out of her broke bones in her hand. What are you talking about? Like that. That's like the dad who still has bloody knuckles from punching his son in the face. He's like, well, I just, you know, I think he could get A's instead of C's. So I had to beat the shit out of him. I'm actually a good dad deep down. I'm punching like, yeah, it doesn't matter. You're still going to jail. Like, fuck you. What do you mean punching you him? I went about? for the wrench because fuck you. Go take the wrench, fuck take you. Take the wrench, Pop, because fuck you. But no, uh, yeah, it's... um, it, it, It's so... It, it, basically, what we're learning from this episode is that we should embrace the oblivion of death and just off ourselves, number one. And number two, we should try to see past abusive people so that when they die, we feel sad. <laughs> What an empowering episode for women, too, especially, you know? Yeah, your mom, who was a fucking wretched monster to you, you just didn't understand her. <laughs> That's all. It's fine. Your boyfriend that beats the shit out of you, you just got to try to change him. <laughs> don't don't leave him, for fix sure. Him. Yeah. Get a, get you yourself, can fix him. Get yourself you a fixer a couple more punches. Yeah. That barbed wire tattoo is really working as he fucking chokes you into unconsciousness every Saturday. <laughs> See, Dude, to be honest, that's kind of one of the things that nags me about this episode, too. I'm like, dude, Starbuck is a genuinely great female character. Really well-rounded, really interesting, very strong, well-defined character. And I'm like, and this is her end? Yeah, you should have just, you know, tried harder to understand your horrible, abusive parent. You're an asshole. You should die. (laughs) What? (laughs) It just bugs me, man. It bugs me. Like, I can't shake it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, to get, I mean, I guess to dive into the scene with her mom, like we get the, we get the feeling that this moment when she comes back to her mother's apartment, which was only six years ago, um, right. where she announces, you know, is telling her mother that, yeah, I made officer here. I am that. Yeah. She comes is, back. This, I understand this type of behavior is very realistic to me. The seeking approval from this person who gives you nothing. Right. Like yeah, you, I understand you think, okay, all you want is thing. for your fucking mom to love you. And when she doesn't, yeah. you're going to engage in approval seeking behavior right and and it's and, and she is and you know maybe it's for the best that she did end up a viper jock but still like she's proud of herself and she comes in and you know like 16th you should have been first <laughs> thanks mom right Ugh. based and, on and what based on what your tutelage you fucking dish rag whore <laughs> you <laughs> fucking you, kid beating monster what are you talking about shit? based on your tutelage i should be but yeah she it's brutal. She just no no affection whatsoever. Starbucks tries to touch her hand because of the, you know, you went to an oncologist. Yeah, a special gift. Ugh. Nice. And that's that's what I don't understand too. You know, her mother. The thing she keeps harping on is, "You have a gift. You should have been number one." I've always known that in my gut. There's, you know, I'm not going to let you piss it away with all of your your undisciplined behavior. Um, Doesn't want her daughter's pity. Right. Doesn't and like I just don't understand that I guess you know what it is? The way I, the only way I could say it is I don't I, I feel like I misunderstand the misunderstanding that Kara is supposed to have with her mom that somehow gets resolved. I'm like, what is this misunderstanding? I feel like Kara actually understands her mom pretty well. Uh 
that yeah she she you know she wanted her daughter to be the best but in this whole drive and this push to to make her daughter the best she provided her fucking no love no affection at all was not a parent was i you think know, some, here here's what i think i yeah. think it's because kara this gets back to kara has to achieve a sense of peace for kara her mom be damned so yeah. kara accepting kara sort of making amends with her mother is way more for Kara's sake than for her mom's sake because Kara needs that in her life. Even right. if she knows her mother doesn't deserve it, she has to be the bigger person and make amends so she can put the demons to bed in her own mind and then promptly kill herself <laughs> after achieving a great breakthrough in, in, in session. <laughs> I finally made a breakthrough. I understand my life. Time but you know what I mean? Like, like I think if Kara, if Kara wants to live her life being angry at her mom forever that doesn't do anything to help Kara. No. Kara gains yeah. nothing from hating her mother. I'm not yeah. saying Kara should love her mother and open her up, open herself up for disappointment, but Kara needs to make peace with the relationship we ha- she has with her mother. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and she does. And, and she really is the, bigger, is the bigger person because of her willingness to go see her at the end. Right, right, I mean, she, right, and see, for me, that's the disconnect. That's you know, we, she has this moment where she gets to kind of be there instead of the reality of how she wasn't there when her mother died. Mm-hmm. She she gets to be there and she gets to hold her mother's hand when she dies and watch her pass away. And in my mind, I'm like, okay, so maybe this is her making peace with her mother's very troubled life and her you know bad influence on her and kind of you know you I would imagine that the healthy outcome of this, the actual healthy outcome for Kara as a person, is to go. My mother was a very flawed person who wanted good things for me, didn't know how to do that, didn't know how to actually express that or, or push me towards that, and was instead very abusive towards me. And she's just a flawed person. I don't have to hate her, but I also don't have to to apologize to her because she doesn't have to apologize for fucking anything, really, mm-hmm. at the end of the day. And to kind of let go and make peace with the fact that my mother passed away, I don't need to live my life hating her and 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 you know throwing that out at other people in my life. I can just let go of right. that. But the show wants to go and see death itself is not scary because your mom died. And I'm like, right, right. right. Yes. Yeah, I, I think it's more of a reconcile, reconciling your past than it is a direct. I, I'm, but you know, you're right because it does kind of want to make that direct link. There is a hinge between the two, right? Right. And, that, and that's the part kinda... that feels forced to me. I'm like, this should be a reconciliation of Kara with her, with the relationship she had to her, her to her mother, mm-hmm. not her fear of death, which is something that's fairly separate from her mom. Like, yeah, her mom died. Right. And I think she feels guilty about not having been there. Like that her, her abandoning her mom was the final abandonment. You're never going to get to what, make up for that. Right. What would have made more sense if you're going with the death regret angle for your mother would be is if you and your mom didn't have a bad relationship and your fear of death and her sickness kept you from being with her as she died. Now yes. that's some real dark, true and that's some, human that's shit. some real shit. Yeah. People do that exactly. all the time. All the time. All the time. And that's tough. And that would be a really awesome thing. But instead, we don't feel sympathy for Kara's mom because you go, well, she was horrible. You drove her away. We can, in a complicated way, feel something for Kara because as she's crying and her mom dies, of course she's going to cry when her mom dies despite the cycle of abuse because there's probably a lot going through her head like, oh my God, I, what, what, what could have been... You know, there's probably a little bit of poor me. I didn't have a mom and now she's gone and it's too late. And wow, she, she did live with me, but how fucked up is that? And that that's complicated and weird. 
But as yeah. far as the way it works in the narrative, mm-hmm. it would have been more sense, and it would have, and you know, it would have, it would have, um, it, would have it would have dirtied up Starbuck a little. Not that she needs it, but it would have dirtied her up a little if it wasn't just, oh, your mom fucking sucked. It would have been cooler if you suck. You skated away from death. You're guilty that you weren't there for your loving mom who died alone because, and, and then you express that by being a daredevil and in, in, in flirting with death because you were too afraid to even face your mother's own death and you left her alone. That's so selfish. And she's always been selfish. And that would have been a cool way to do it instead of having her mom be abusive. Right. Right. So what you I, mean, I think at the end of the day, what we're trying to say is Ronald Moore, you fucking hack. Yeah. You fucking hack. We'll write this show. <laughs> you suspect. <laughs> you suspect <laughs> y'all suspect you suspect uh, no he's, he's great but but the, no i agree it's just one of those things where i'm like i feel like they were trying to mix in a little too much i'm mm. like okay she has this horrible relationship with her mom who's terribly abusive but also a fear of death that is now also mingled up with the death of her abusive mom and i'm like that is a lot of tangled up not very clear motivation going on here yeah. Um, and I just don't know what to make of it, man. So I, I, it sucks because there's so much. I know it doesn't sound like it. I've been harping on it pretty hard. There's so much about this episode I really enjoyed. Yeah. Um, I think it's a, a, one of the strongest episodes of this season as far as its structure and the the way that we go back in time, the way that we do these things. It has a cool mystery to it. I just it just sucks that it doesn't stick the landing for me. You know, like there's a lot of cool plate uh, plates spinning throughout this episode. And I feel like they all kind of crashed and broke on the ground by the end where I'm like, well, fuck, I don't like that. <laughs> I right. just don't like where you're getting at. Yep. It's crazy to think that we're in season three and the first episode was the occupation stuff. It feels a million years it's ago. It's crazy. Man. Cause so many weird things happen. You have all these offbeats, like dirty hands, a day in the life, the woman King, like what? <laughs> wasn't wasn't guys arrested <laughs> like what, what, what <laughs> happened do something with that yeah yeah it's interesting yeah. but no it's um so the moment of truth with starbuck and in the stuff with lee and the flying it's pretty intense like we we've one of one of the plot driven elements of this episode has always been like oh the nose cam footage shows nothing but lee trusts her he's like well he could have disappeared in the clouds which is reasonable but but it's kind of what leads her is this chasing something you know that could be very metaphorical um right right and i like that like i like her seeing a raider and having to just you know she can't help that fighter instinct of her just go after it get sure 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 and and she she it leads in a lot of ways to this horrible predicament that she can't pull back out of um i'm fine with all that and also dude i feel you should talk about the go the actual moment of you know when she's like just let me go lee and it's fine i'll be fine and you know we see her ship just fucking explode and that's it um, and when we cut back to the CIC, I think it's, it is some of the best acting um, in this moment when, when he's like, all right, we'll, we'll, we'll scramble the rescue birds. We'll get them out there. And he's like, no, no, dad, there's nothing. There's nothing. It hurt your ships in pieces. It's in pieces. And like when you see Adama kind of pull away from the, the radio and like he can't even like look into it anymore. Mm. Holy shit. Like, I mean, as far as the death itself and the gravity of it, that moment was as incredible. Um, and it took me by surprise on that first few. I was like, no fucking way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sure. It's, it's incredible, burn, man. Burns it, it, up everybody's and... reaction. Everybody is just stunned silence. Like you're, you're everyone looking around like, this is, this is Starbuck we're talking about. This is not the person who dies out on a mission. What are we, what? Impossible. Right. Nobody Abs- even wants to believe it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and boom, they're wait. They're waiting for me. <sighs> so fucking weird. 
there waiting for me. She closes her eyes, sees a little girl, which we assume is her. Yeah. 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 That's the little girl she's been seeing throughout the episode. It's always been her. She saw her in the cockpit. She, you know, I think and, saw and her. And uh, she's always beat up, except for that always. last shot. Yeah. Right. At peace. Mm. Uh, and like we said, great moment with with Adama trying to hold it together. I mean, boy, we haven't seen him come apart like this in a long time. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. I mean, that's, that's to be honest, we get the one moment earlier in the episode when it's uh, Rosalind and Adama walking to the halls and they run into Kara and you know, that's when she gives him the goddess Aurora figurine. Sure. And she say, you know, it's, it'll bring in a fresh start, a new change. Um, and what I feel like, oh, it's so, it's such a dark thing to look back on because the change that is brought in is grief. Like mm-hmm. that'll be the change. You know, you'll be mourning me. Right. Ugh. Yeah. Great. So, I mean, great reaction shots, even from Ty. He's like, whoa. Yeah. Yeah, man. No and, shoot, and what, no shoot. <laughs> what sucks about this too is, and it, it, we, it's kind of alluded to at the very end with the, it, the episode. I think it's important to note that the episode ends on Admiral Dama. That, that, is, that is unmistakable. That is a, a real point uh, that the episode's making because he has very much not been a big part of this episode up to now. And whose face do we end on? Not Lee's, you know, not Anders. Adama. What an interesting this, decision. That's his daughter, man. Mm-hmm. Like that is yep. that is one hundred percent how he sees her. And what bothers me about it, I think it's such an excellent ending as far as its moment, the moment it, it, that it occupies itself is it, so strong. But it also reminds me how much we haven't gotten to go back to that relationship. Like that was one of my favorite things about season one, um, the relationship we saw between him and Starbuck, and how you start to realize how deep that is and how much he really cares about her. And the show's kind of moved away from that. Like, we didn't really get to see them interact that much. And, like, this is almost like the tragic reminder of, yeah, we, he didn't really get to, to have any more with her. He didn't get to deepen that. Didn't get to see her have a better life. Yep. It's rough, man. It's so sad. Yeah, that, I mean, going back to um, that episode, Act of Contrition, I believe it is. Yeah. When he confronts her, like, what do you mean about Zach? What are you talking about? And he's like, get out of here before you can still walk out. And she just melts. Such oh, a great moment. Really great moment. Yeah, I don't know if it's active contrition, but I feel like it's one of those right, right in that, right in those first five apps there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a powerful ending. It's great. It is. It's awesome. Yeah. Reinstate the nuggets to flight status. Yeah, right. That was it. Active mm-hmm. contrition. Season one, episode four. There you go. Yeah, and um, thus concludes uh, Starbuck and Maelstrom. <sighs> Fuck, man. Fuck. It bugs me that I'm I, that I have so many negative feelings about this episode. You know, I, I really like. She's one I mean, of my. I know favorite exactly characters. what you mean. It's frustrating. I get it. It's dude. Frustrating, man. It's, I get it. It really is because I liked Starbuck so much, and I'm like, this. God damn, really? This is the fucking conclusion for this character, and this is. Ah, I don't know. Like, I, I wish they could separate the idea of her coming to peace with her past with her coming to peace with death and seeing that as the the only conclusion, almost like the only opportunity she has left. That, I just, oh, it just rubs me the wrong way. Yep. All right. Listener comments, Matthew? Let's have Adam. All right. Danny Falch. When this first aired, there was a lot of discussion online if Starbuck was actually killed off. BHU is one of the first shows that had an, that an audience could believe that a major character could be killed off during the season and not as part of a finale. After a string of smaller stories in the trial began to hang fire, 
being a hangfire, this was a great change of story direction. Nice. Nice. Uh, I'm going to read one from Mr. J.D. Ibey. While the performance levels hit spot on, the visual effects in this episode held up big time. It would have been distracting for us viewers if this great episode was cheapened by badly executed special effects, but it did not disappoint. I also found it interesting how when we first met Starbuck in the start of the series, her character struggled with Zack's death, responsible for approving his flight-ready status, which then may have led to his death. This was a bit of a callback slash role reversal with Lee now deciding if one of his Viper pilots was ready for flight. While Zack is never mentioned in this story, it's fascinating to find the theme resonate in Starbuck's journey. Uh, and yeah, that's a good, that's a good really comment, good. JD. Um, yeah, and really I also good. think it's, it, it, this episode points to how massive that will be by not showing Lee's reaction. That is, that is to come into the future. Uh, and I think, boy, <laughs> we saw Lee struggle uh, with things earlier and become a little bit of a lardo. And I think we're going to be in a, a bad territory with Lee after this. Yeah, absolutely. That's going to be hard on him. Um, I don't want to get into all of this that Daniel Mertz wrote, but he brought up the idea of Katie Sackhoff's cancer. Oh, that's right. Um, I don't know much about it. I don't even like, I'm not a huge fan of even discussing that kind of personal shit about somebody I don't know where I don't know any of the details, mm-hmm. but I know she had it and obviously she's fine now, but, right. but um, there's a lot of speculation as to it possibly being part of the reason for the writing. Um, but I didn't want to go too much into that rabbit hole. I, and I don't know t- too much about it either. Um, I thought that happened post Battlestar Galactica. I believe so. it did too. That's what I think. I don't know. Ah, okay. Yeah. Well, there we go. Um, Krivik, Nikki boy, says, it, Is it safe to say this episode is a major turning point in the series, even without knowing what happens from here on out? How can you deny its impact after that ending? I remember watching this one for the first time, being enthralled and then shocked. Great episode, despite what happens to everyone's favorite Viper pilot. I thought Kara's visions and tortured memories worked well. Did she know something we don't, or did she go all wackadoo? Katie Sackhoff is all around great in this ep, and it's always good to see Lou Ashby back on the show. R.I.P. Adama's model ship. Lou Ooh. Ashby is a great reference to Californication. Five points for that, Nick. Well done. And uh, a good comment overall. Um, I like the, uh, you know, we, we didn't talk a lot about Katie Sackhoff and her acting. I believe this was submitted as an Emmy option. She yeah, did a good right. job in this one. But, you know, Straight. I think Katie, uh, Katie has always been a, a strong component. Katie, like I fucking know her. She's always <laughs> been a strong component of the show. And when, when, when she gets screen time, she's good. She's good actress. Oh, yeah. I like her. Yeah, she's really good. Yep. Um, and I mean, what's also, I think, interesting about this episode, and I think it was a, a good call to submit this for an Emmy nomination for her in particular, is that she... she ex- displays a lot of different emotion in this episode. It's not like she is at a full Correct. tilt anger or full tilt grief or, you know, she goes from these smiling, happy moments with a resolution with, with Lee and getting to kind of see the Admiral and the President Roslyn one more time and have these kind of nice, pleasant exchanges, but also with a lot of guardedness when she's talking to the, the Oracle and then a lot of openness when she's finally there with her mom. Like she runs a whole mm-hmm. gamut here. This is not one of those episodes where I, you know, it is watching a character endure one thing. She, she moves through all, this episode is an entire character journey for her that goes through a lot of different places. And I think she's, she's excellent, man. Yeah. <clears throat> and um, you know, especially what her watching herself in the past, uh, talk to her mom and like her hanging her head at some of the things she says. Sure. And, having grief over over what she did say to her mom in those moments. I think it's it's all on display really well. She does a great job. Sure, sure, absolutely. And uh, I will say this too. Um, so uh, on 
on uh, next week on the podcast, in two weeks, I should say, on the podcast, Matthew, we're going to be discussing the episode titled The Sun Also Rises. Mm -hmm. And uh, if I am not mistaken, next week's episode, one of the cast members submitted it for their Emmy possibilities. And I'm not going to say who. Okay. Everybody wanting a fucking Emmy now, huh? Okay. Everybody following old Sackoff. Ugh. Yeah, you'll, you'll never fill Starbucks shoes, you pieces of shit. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, that was a great discussion, Matthew. I had a lot of fun chatting uh, Maelstrom with you. I'm glad we talked about it. And, uh, you know, before we go, I think it's important just to say, Matthew, are we going to see Starbucks again? I feel like yes, man. I feel like yes. You I don't. It. You heard it here, folks. Yeah. A fresh take on uh, a spoiler that's been existed for a decade. There we go. (laughs) Matthew says yes. He believes Starbuck will be back. And if we don't, uh, you better fucking believe my tone for the rest of this entire podcast (laughs) is going to be, harumph, what the fuck? Harumph. (laughs) Harumph, that's bullshit. I deserve Starbuck. I deserve it. (laughs) Me. Bring Starbuck back for me. (laughs) I'm Ah. making a phone call. (laughs) I'm calling your mother. (laughs) All right. Well, Uh. that was a good time. Uh, We'll catch you guys in two weeks with the sun also rises. Remember, check us out on the web at libertyshreekgeek.net. That's libertyshreekgeek.net where we have all kinds of, uh, all kinds of stuff, man. We got fucking, we got all kinds of shit. The science fiction film podcast. We got all kinds of stuff going on out there. We are always putting up new podcast episodes, maybe a new podcast one of these days. And um, I urge you to keep your finger on the pulse over there and uh, follow us on our socials. You'll find us if you go to the website, LibertyGeek.net. Matthew, mm-hmm. let's get the fuck out of here. Let's do it. So say we all, I guess. Sure. Blow them up, <laughs> suicide, kill yourself, you know, all that fun stuff. <laughs> Just let it Therapy's go. Therapy's concluded. Let, let go of the wheel is what, is what this is telling us. Just let go of the stick and let Just the plane just dip. <laughs> Let us show unless you your new my apartment pilot. now that you've completed therapy. It's <laughs> and, a coffin. Unless you're my pilot and when I'm going to Florida. Please don't do that. <laughs> Please, I beg you. Okay, we're out of here. Goodbye.